What's going on at 1130? How are you guys doing today? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad you're joining us for church today. Can we give it up for all of our family that is watching with us online right now as well? Come on, church. We can do better than that. We love you guys. We're so glad you're joining us online. And uh, before we kind of dive into today's message, we are in a season of our church that we call Legacy Season. And for those of you that are new or maybe you forgot or you don't know, uh, Legacy is an opportunity for us to, in, to be a part of something that's going on in our church that we like to talk about as our faith, our family, and our future. We started this uh, two years ago in December of 2019. We said, man, what we want to do as a church is we want to expand our faith. We think it's important that we, we stretch our faith in different seasons of life. We said not only do we want to stretch our faith, but it's about our, our, our family, about us growing and, and doing those things, and it's about our future as a church. And we said that there were three things that we could be doing uh, over the next couple of years to really challenge ourselves in that. We could, we could do some updates here in our Parkland location and just kind of keep the status quo, but do some upgrades to our kids' ministry and technology and different things. We said we could expand to some additional locations. And I want you to know that over the last uh, almost two years now that we have uh, expanded to one, one additional location, which is our church online that's happening every single weekend that we never even planned to have happen, but uh, COVID kind of take place and we were able to do that. And right now uh, we, we have a little over between 900 to 1,000 people every single weekend watching us on YouTube that don't currently attend on the weekend services. That's a lot of people because every single one of those is a unique user, which we don't know if that represents one person or 10 people. And so we know that there's an entire church that's out there that's watching us right now. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. With that, our podcast has, we just recently learned, is in the top 5% of all podcasts in the entire world. Over 3 million podcasts that are out there. Top 5%. That's like our reach uh, on digital levels is going to some pretty incredible uh, places right now. Then on top of that, on January 9th, we're launching our Lighthouse Point location that uh, is an incredible answer to God. We just had a vision night out there last Sunday night, had uh, uh, over 130 people there wanting to be a part of what God is doing at that location. We can't wait to see what God does on January 9th there uh, for those that got engaged and involved. We already have a dream team of over 100 people that want to be a part of that location. God is up to something to help us make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. And then we said, lastly, that we could expand this location as we've had so many services. We have four services going on right now, and we need to add a fifth service out here in Parkland. And so we said we could expand this. And so some of you guys have seen construction going on there. You're like, what's going on? This is what is happening over there. We're getting ready to build an 800 to 1,000 seat auditorium that will be able to handle more people uh, for more services. And plus, you want to give your pastor a break, man. My voice, y'all were about to watch a video because my voice is giving out every single weekend. Now, some of y'all thought I was going through puberty. No, that's my voice going out every weekend in this service. And, and, and so we're expanding this facility. And we said, we said when we started this that all of that was going to cost us as a church, it's going to cost us about $3.75 million. 
How many of y'all know that $3.75 million is a lot of money? A lot of money? For those of you that don't think that's a lot of money, you can write a check today. It's a one, six zeros, decimal point, two more zeros. No problem if that's not a lot of money to you. Um, and so we said that's a lot of money. And over the last 18 months, you guys have given $2.6 million towards that above and beyond. Listen, that's above and beyond your regular giving. Like, so we are an incredibly generous church. And man, I, I'm so thankful for that. Because of that generosity, we're able to do major outreaches and feed people and take care of people. We'll give over uh, close to, we'll give close to $400,000 away to world missions this year, reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, we're passionate about that. We're able to do things like this December, which I'm excited to announce that we're gonna be doing a, a Christmas store for families that are in need where they can come in and they can actually get gifts at like 90% off for their children, zero to 18. All they have to do is register online. We're going to provide close to $30,000 worth of goods and services to families this Christmas, all because of your generosity. Yeah. Like we're able to do that. Like you don't have to pay for that. That's already paid for. It's an incredible thing. But what that also means is that is if it's 3.75 million and 2.6 million given, they're going to throw that slide back up there. And that means that we still have 1.1 remaining. And, and so what that means is that this December 4th and 5th, we're doing our annual legacy offering. It, it's something that we do every December where we get to help uh, accelerate the vision here at Coastal Community Church. It's going to help us do outreaches in the next year. This is going to help us finish this facility that we're building here for you. Because actually the room that you're in right now, I don't know if you know this, this room was never built for adults. This room was actually designed for the next generation. This is a second through fifth grade room. And this is middle school and high school students worship space here. We're, they're just letting us use it for these first couple of years until we get our space. Uh, but this was all designed for them. All the LED walls, all the lights, all this stuff. This is all theirs. Some of you are like, that's really nice stuff you give to your youth. Yeah. Want to know why? Because they're not our future. They're our today. That's why we have tons of kids. This, in fact, this entire building was designed to be our next generation space. We never planned for adults to be here. We just knew we'd have to be here for a little bit. And so this is our opportunity to be generous. Now, here's the thing. We don't ever ask you to give here at Coastal Community Church. In fact, very rarely do you ever hear us talk about money and giving. But I will unashamedly ask you to pray. I will ask you to take that envelope that's on your seat, take it home, and as a family, pray. And here's what I know, is that if you'll pray, God will be obedient to give you an answer. And here's what I know God wants to build above us. Jesus said, I've come to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the reason we call this legacy is because there's been one entity that has stood the test of time, and that is the church of Jesus Christ. So when we're long gone, you know what's going to still be standing? The church. You know what's still going to be making a difference? The church. You know what's still going to be making an impact? The gospel of Jesus Christ happening through the church. And so we think the greatest investment and the greatest legacy you can leave is the local church for generations to come. Because it's not for just the people that are here. It's for the generations that are going to come. And we get the opportunity to lay the foundation for a legacy for future generations. So we ask you to pray. We ask you to be obedient and then be generous on December 4th and 5th. And here's what I know. Ephesians chapter 3 tells us that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is at work in you. 
That's what it says. It's at work in us. So God wants to use us to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine. The question is, is will we allow him to use us? And if we do, we'll see greater things than we've ever experienced before. And so I, I can't wait to see what happens, church. My family's praying. We're asking how we're to be a part of this. God, what do you want to do in us? I, I challenge you to do the same thing. So why don't you grab that worship God that's on your chair here today as we dive into week seven of this series that we're calling The Fight of Your Life. I've never done a series this long in the history of our church. I hope you guys are enjoying it. If you don't, you have one more week and then we'll have a new series, okay? But we are talking about spirit spiritual warfare. And we've been talking about how over the last couple of weeks, the obstacles that you're facing, the difficulties that you're having in life, the battles that are taking place are way more spiritual than you perceive them to be. You think it's just a physical thing that's going on, but really what you're facing today and what you're going to face tomorrow is way more spiritual than you realize. And so we've been going verse by verse out of this passage of Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 13, and we're learning how to live victoriously. This is what it says. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and some of you guys are in that day of evil right now, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salv salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so today we're going to be talking about the helmet of salvation. Now, for the past couple of thousand years, helmets have been a normal part of society and they have been a normal part of culture. All throughout history, you can look and you see helmets basically in every generation except for a period of 10 years that we like to call the 80s. Like for some reason, during the 80s, the 80s did not believe in helmets and now we have a whole bunch of kids, including myself, that are a little messed up. It's, it's because helmets are an important thing function for something that is really, really important because helmets, what do they do? They protect your brain, right? They protect your head. And so, so there's all kinds of helmets that are out there that people use. There's, there's motorcycle helmets. You put a motorcycle helmet on, especially if you live in South Florida, please wear a motorcycle helmet. People are cray cray down here. So there's motorcycle helmets. Uh, there's these things. These are called bike helmets. I've never worn one of these, but I'm told that as children today, you have to wear these. Uh, even if you go, all these road bikers out here in Parkland, they wear these because there's people like me that will run them off the road. And so you got to wear one of those and uh construction helmets this is my construction helmet for here in parkland so things don't fall on your head they make you wear these on job sites then then you know we have military helmets i don't know if you've ever held a military helmet but these things are heavy and the reason they're heavy is because these can actually take a bullet to the helmet and save your life and helmets all throughout culture have been an integral part of life. And so in this passage right here, the Apostle Paul is talking about a helmet and he's looking as he's in prison at a Roman centurion and he's seeing this Roman centurion and the helmet that he is wearing looks something like this. And he says, man, you know what this helmet does? The helmet that the Roman centurion would have had, it would have helped provide identity to that Roman centurion. And the reason it would have provided identity, and this is really interesting, is, is 
if you would have looked at this, you would have seen like this furry kind of thing up on top and you think to yourself like, what is that for? Is that to like to dust the table or something? You know, like I, but actually this was an identification so that it, when an army was going into battle, when they would see their enemy, if they saw this, they would know immediately that that is a Roman army. Not only would this define that it was a Roman army, but historians say that you could actually look at this red part and based on how it was cut and how it looked, it would actually tell you the rank of that officer, like what their, what their level was. Not only that, but it would also, the helmet would also would have defined like where that soldier would have been in battle, what infantry they would have been in, what legion they would have been a part of. So it provided a ton of identity for the Roman soldier, but not only did it provide identity for the Roman soldier, but it was also a safety net for them because when they're in battle, the last thing you want to get hit in is your head. So it provided protection and safety for the soldier. So both of these things, identity and safety, were needed and necessary. And so he says for the believer, when we're in the middle of a spiritual battle, we're going to need some identity and we're going to need some safety in life. And the thing that is going to give us our identity and the thing that is going to give us our safety is found in this one word and the word is salvation. It's salvation. And salvation would be the thing. And so we talked about the belt of truth. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness. We've talked about the shoes of peace. We talked about the shield of faith. And, and if you go to the helmet that provides identity and safety, then what we need it is we need salvation. Now, salvation is God's life-changing power to transform. That's what salvation is. And here's what it means. It means that you don't have to stay the same way that you currently are. And that is good news for all of us here today. It, it, it means that, that God has the power to transform us and to transform our lives. Like I am so thankful that we're not just here to sing some songs and listen to a really handsome bald guy talk, but there is some power that is here that absolutely has the power to change and transform your life. It's called the salvation of God. And it's available and God is all about saving people. And you have to understand that when you put salvation on it, here's what it does. Salvation provides the Christian soldier with their identity and their safety in Christ. Now, this is important, and, and, and I want you to get this, because Paul right here, he would have been writing to Christians, and, and he would say by the time we get to this second to last piece of armor, he is under the assumption that you have made a decision to follow Jesus. Like, you have surrendered your will and your way. You are now a believer. So he's assuming you've already experienced initial salvation. And what I want to present to you today is that there is salvation after your initial salvation. Now, some of you guys are like, man, this is confusing because I'm not even sure if I've got the first salvation. And now you're talking to me about a second salvation. And here's the bad news. You can't have the second salvation if you don't have the first salvation. It's confusing. So 
What that means is that if you have never given your life to Christ, if you are not born again, if you have not surrendered your will in your way and said, God, I surrender to you and will you save me, that you have that relationship with God. I want you to know that today you're not too messed up. You're not too far gone. You haven't done too much. The saving grace of Jesus Christ is not available for you today because God is still in the saving business and we're gonna make sure you have that opportunity today. But you have to understand how salvation works. And a couple of weeks ago, I gave you this picture they're going to throw up on, on the screen here. And, and what I know about all of us is that all of us are complex beings. Some of you guys are sitting next to somebody and you're like, TJ, they are way more complex than you realize. I know. I'm married to one person that's one more complex than I realize. I, I get it. But we are all complex beings. And the reason we're complex is because we're made in the image of God. God is a three-part Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is triune, which means we're created in His image, which means we are triune. We are made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And so what that means is the spirit is what we would refer to as our heart. And what happens is, is when we accept God, automatically what happens in our spirit, it becomes transformed by the power of God. Our soul represents our mind. It represents our will. It represents our emotions. It remembers, it represents all the thinking and thought processes processes that are in our life. And then our body represents our flesh. It represents the desires that we have. So I told you a few weeks ago that every single one of these three areas is affected differently by salvation. So when you put your faith in Jesus, your spirit becomes transformed automatically, like instantaneously. You are a new creation in your spirit. Now, here's the problem with that. A lot of you guys, you leave a service and you have the same temptations that you had before the service and you go, well, I prayed a prayer and I raised my hand, but yet nothing happened. What you didn't realize is that your spirit got transformed, but yet your soul and your body have not yet been transformed. Like a lot of people stop and go, well, I put my trust in Jesus and that's great, but you've let it stop affecting every single aspect of your life. And can I just tell you something? God loves you right where you are, but he also loves you too much to keep you right where you are. Like he wants to see you change and he wants to see you transform and he wants to see you start with your spirit and then move to your soul and begin to filter out into your body. See, a lot of you guys can't control your body because your mind is so unsaved. Yeah. It's the problem. It's messed up. You're thinking the same thing you've been thinking for 20, 30, 50 years, and now you're at church and you're thinking, why isn't it changing? It's because you need salvation in your mind. Write it down this way. Salvation of our spirit is automatic. Like that's an instantaneous thing. But salvation of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, you know what it takes? It takes a bunch of work. So I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you to work on this and put some work into this area. And Paul said it like this, and this is such a controversial verse, but I'm going to explain it to you today. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now so much more in my absence. Continue to work out. And we don't like that word, work out. Like, we don't want to work out. But he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
You go, well, well, TJ, what, what does that mean? Because you just said that when I give my life to Jesus, that my spirit is automatically transformed. So like, how do I continue? Why do I have to work that out with fear and trembling? You can't work that out. Like, listen, you are saved by grace and faith in Jesus Christ alone. You can never be more saved than the moment you said yes to Jesus or less saved than that. You are completely saved in that moment. He is not referring to your spirit here when he says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's talking about let the salvation that happened in your spirit begin to affect the rest of your life. Like your mind needs to get saved. Let me put it in context. The children of Israel were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. They eventually get delivered and start going to the promised land. And, and how many of you know you can get out of Egypt, but Egypt can still be in you? Let me, let me put it in a way you'll understand. You may have been out of South Beach, but for some of y'all, South Beach is still in you. So what he's saying here is, there are some things that have to be worked out in our life. So what do we do about that? We realize that there needs to be a helmet of salvation that goes into our minds and changes us. Here's why. Because where the man goes, the mind follows. Or where the mind goes, the man follows. Sorry, I said that wrong. So if you want to control your flesh, you know, those desires that you have, it begins first of all, with your mind. See, some of you guys don't realize that your battle really isn't in your flesh. The battle is right up here. It's what Joyce Meyer would refer to as stinking thinking. Some of you guys, you have some stinking thinking, and we have all smelled it and gone like, oh man, that's nasty. Why? Because we've been listening to the things that have been coming out of your mouth. I'll never be enough. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never find love. I'll never find healthy relationships. I'll never find success in life. And, and I you know what happens is we all have this stinking thinking. And I catch myself with the same kind of stinking thinking. I've been following Jesus for 22 plus years. And I still have stinking thinking going through my mind all the time. And here's what I know. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart... So is he. So if you're angry in your actions, you don't have an actions problem. You have a thinking problem. It's a thought problem. Because it always starts right here. So what do we do with all this thinking, thinking in our life? Here's the practical application for today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We take captive every thought. And here's what we do with every thought. We make it obedient to Christ, here's why this is important. Because your life will always follow the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always following the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you don't like the direction of your life, you need to start checking the thoughts that are going on in your mind because it is directing your life. Which by the way, the thoughts that I have to take captive most often are the areas where I'm complaining in my life that I honestly, I used to think were a blessing in my life. Like what I found, the things that I'm complaining about today used to be blessings that I was crying out to God for earlier in different seasons. And I, I'll just learn that every blessing comes with a burden. 
And a lot of us, what we end up with is, is what we were desperate for in one season now has become a burden in the next season. And we're like, God, I can't believe you gave me this man. Oh, that man that you prayed for on your knees when you were lonely and by yourself and said, God, please send me somebody. Now you're complaining about him. God, I can't believe these kids that they would act this way. Oh, those kids that you were down on your hands and knees begging God to give you. Oh, my boss, he's so negative. Oh, that job that you were praying for that that boss would give you. What do we have to do? We have to, when those thoughts come in, those thoughts that were once a blessing that have now become a burden, those thoughts, you have to take them and you have to make them captive in obedience to Jesus. Listen, just because something comes into your mind does not mean that it has to reside there. Like you can give your thoughts eviction notices. Like they don't get residence just because they showed up. This is not a holiday inn where everyone's welcome. You know, it's just not the case. Like, no, 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 I'm gonna take those thoughts captive and I'm gonna begin to make it obedient to Christ because I'm no longer thinking the way I used to think. I'm no longer allowing those things into my home. This home has been established by Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna put the helmet of salvation on and I'm gonna watch it begin to redeem the rest of my life. Romans chapter 12, verse two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. So we're going to let God transform the way we think. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know what God's will is? It starts right here with your mind. It starts with how you think. So let me help you put on this helmet of salvation challenge you with two things here. Number one, you got to think different about who you are. Here's why this is important, because the helmet of salvation for the Roman soldier was first and foremost about identity. And, and, and it, the enemy has always been about attacking your identity. He's always been about confusing you on who you are and whose you are. He wants you, he wants you to question, am I really forgiven? Am I really a child of God? And do I really have purpose? He wants you to question all of those things. And so you have to establish identity, identity because the enemy will always try to confuse who you are. Because if he can confuse who you are, he can keep you confused from what God has called you to do. And it always starts with who you are. Such a critical element that we put on the helmet of salvation. Parents, that's why one of the main jobs of your life in raising your children is not to raise your children to be smart. I mean, that's a good objective, but the number one thing that you should be doing in raising your children is helping them know their identity in Christ. It's the most important thing you can do because there is a world out there that is polluting and colluding against them on their identity. Culture will tell them who they are. Society will tell them who they are. Their feelings will tell them who they are. And here's the thing about all those things. None of those things line up with God's word of who he says they are. They aren't called to be of this world. We're to be different than this world. So we need to start speaking what God says about them and who they are and who they are in Christ so that they know their identity. Listen, we allowed so many labels from culture and friends to define us. Then you know what that ends up doing? It ends up limiting us in life. 
when I, when I was in high school, I, my family traveled a lot, and so uh, I got left to home alone a lot, like, like for months at a time. It was crazy. Uh, I, Mom and dad, you're going to hate this, but I would come home because my parents were gone so long, and like the electric would be turned off because they hadn't been home in like two months, and so the electric would get turned off, and I'd be like calling them up on my cell phone, hey, I'm lighting candles, can you, can you send a bill in? But they would be gone so much that, that because they were gone, it allowed me a lot of freedom. They'd leave me with a credit card and like $100 bills, and so, so what that meant is because I was a preppy rich kid, uh, we threw lots of parties at my house, and I became known... Like, this is, this is real talk. I became known as the party kid. Like, hey, you want to know what's happening this weekend? Talk to TJ. TJ's probably throwing a party. TJ knows where the party's happening. And so my identity was all wrapped in is that's the party kid. That's the party kid. That's the party kid. That's the party kid. But here's the problem with that is all of a sudden I had a transformational moment with God that changed everything for me. And I went from being this party kid to all of a sudden I went from throwing a party on a Friday night to reading my Bible on a Saturday night. And I knew I was called. I was chosen. I was transformed. And everyone's like, where's the party? I'm like, let's go change the world. And they're like, no, no, no. You don't understand, you're the party kid. You're not the change the world Jesus kid. You're the party kid. And I was like, no, I'm gonna change the Why? Because they had given me an identity. And some of you guys, you've been given labels on your life that has now limited the way that God has called you to be. And by the way, this isn't a new thing. This has been happening all throughout time. In fact, this is all throughout scripture. I mean, you can look at the labels on people. There was a woman who was known as the woman with the issue of blood. Like she was defined by her everywhere she walked. They're like, hey, what's up, bloody girl? You're like, that's not very funny. No, but it's true. They defined her by her issue. There's blind Bartimaeus. Not Bartimaeus is blind, but no, no, no. We're going to call him blind Bartimaeus. There's a guy who, who they call the demoniac. What does that mean? He, he's demon-possessed. That's what it meant. Can you imagine Thanksgiving? Hey, kids, this is Uncle Demoniac. Don't spend any time with him. It was... The culture to constantly identify people by their issues. And Jesus comes onto the scene and he changes the game. And I want you to know that he can change the game for you. In fact, one of the greatest disciples, his, his name was Peter. And he ended up establishing the church and being the one on which the church is actually built. But his original name is not Peter. It's actually this word Simon. And Simon translated in the Greek actually means snubbed nose. What scholars actually believe is that when Peter was born, his parents looked at him and they saw that as a baby, he had a snubbed nose. He had a jacked up nose. He had some sort of deformity. And you know what they did? They said, you know what? We're going to call him by his issue. Hey, baby, snub nose. You're so snub nosed. And we laugh at it, but can you imagine being a teenager and, what's up, snub-nosed? Growing up in life, you're snub-nosed. Can you smell that? Like, right? People are mean. Hey, there's the guy with the messed up nose, snub-nosed. And Jesus walks on and he goes, no, 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 no. That's not how I'm going to name him. In fact, John 1.42, he says, you are Simon, the son of John. 
you shall be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter, which actually in the Greek means rock. In other words, you're going to be stronger than you think you are. You're going to be bigger than you think you are. Like, I'm going to establish something greater in your life than you could ever think. So why 2 Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old, what is it? It's gone. But the new is here. So I don't know what you've been called in the past, but I want you to know today, church, God has a new name for you. He's got an identity for you that is different than the identity of the world. And for some of you, you need to know this. My issue is not my identity. I don't know what your issue may be. I don't know what they've labeled you. They might have labeled you negative Nancy or bankrupt Bob or, or, or divorced Dan. But that is not the way that God sees you. He sees you much differently than that. That's why we need to establish the helmet of salvation. Let me say, if for some other people, failure is an event, it's not a person. Because some of you guys have identified with your failure way too long, and that is not who you are. That was something that happened to you that does not have to define you. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but you need to know that your mind can be transformed, that you are a new creation in Jesus Christ, and you need to put on the helmet of salvation and remind yourself daily of who you are, that you are chosen, that you are appointed, that you are redeemed, that you are restored, that you are transformed, that you're an overcomer, that you are victorious, that you are healed, that you are gifted, that you are forgiven, and that you're just getting started in Jesus' name. You're just on the front end of this whole thing. So it doesn't just provide us with identity, but it also says it provides us with safety. So what brings safety over our minds? Number two, we got to think different about what you do. So it's not just about who you are, but it's also about what we do because a lot of you guys are doing the same things and you keep getting yourselves in bad situations because you don't think any differently than how the world thinks. And so you have to change the way you think. And the scriptures are clear about this. And the scriptures are, 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 are always countercultural to the way we think things should be right. And we have to allow the scriptures to begin to transform us because let me tell you something, there is a wrong way of doing things. In fact, let me show you some examples of wrong ways of doing things. Like there is a wrong way of putting toilet paper on the thing. If you put toilet paper on your dispenser with it coming out of the bottom, you are doing it wrong, my friends. Here at Coastal, we only go over the top. We do it the correct way here. So if you're doing it this way, knock it off. Let me give you another one. There is a correct way to cut a sandwich. And it, listen, for those of you who cut sandwiches like this on the right, you need to stop it. This is the proper way to cut a sandwich. It is the classy way. It's the dipping way. Just telling you. Trying to help some people out here, get you saved in your mind. <laughs> this last one, this last one is controversial, but, but people think that this is right. This is not right. Fruit does not belong on pizza. Can I get a good amen right there? We just established that right here. Some of y'all are upset about that, but listen, I got the stage, I got the mic, I'm right. That's how it works here. So you have to realize that there is a way that you have to think that is contrary to the world. Please play, take the pizza down. Okay. 
Listen, God is not trying to control you. He's trying to free you. So if you're upset, he isn't trying to control you. He's trying to free you. A train isn't controlled by the tracks. A train functions much better when it's on the tracks. So it's not a control thing. It's a free thing. And he wants you to be all that he's called you to be. And he has a way of doing things that is different than how you think some things should be done. In fact, he says this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about those things. The problem is, is that a lot of us, what we're doing is we're thinking about the opposite of those things. We're thinking, instead of what's true, we're thinking about things that are false. Instead of what is noble, we're thinking about sleazy things. Instead of what is right, we're thinking about wrong things. Instead of what is pure, we're thinking about what is impure in this world. Instead of what is lovely, we're thinking about hate-filled things. Instead of what is admirable, we're thinking about dishonoring people. Instead of what is, what is uh, praiseworthy, we're thinking about slander and gossip. He says, no, you got to change your thinking. You need to put on the helmet of salvation, and you need to take captive those crazy thoughts and make them obedient to what you should be thinking. So whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, he says, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So here's the deal. If you want peace in your body, you know where it begins? It begins right here in your mind. So we have to do it God's way. And here's the good news. Your mind can be transformed. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But, and listen, I love big butts in the Bible. I'm just telling you, they're, they're like big butts will change your life. He says, buts. We have the mind of Christ. See, we don't know God's thoughts, but we have this mind that has been given to us that is the mind of Christ that we can tap into. And I think that there are some mindset changes that are contrary to the way that we believe. And I'm going to give you some because for a lot of us, these, these are mindset changes that we need to adopt. And, and here's the first one. I'm not living for self well, isn't it about me? No, no, no. It shouldn't be about you. It's a mindset change. I am living to serve. We want to know why? Because we're going to make it about other people. How about this one? I'm not holding a grudge. I know everybody says that I should be mad, but you know what? I'm not going to be mad. Instead, I am going to forgive quickly. Why? Because I'm going to take those negative thoughts. I'm going to take them captive, and I'm going to remember that, that Jesus so quickly and easily forgave me. So if, if he's forgiven me, I should forgive others. It's a mindset change. How about this one? I'm not managing sin. Like, I, I, I'm not going to act one way on Friday and then be a completely different person on Sunday. I'm not going to act this way with this group and act a totally different way with that group. No, no, no. I have a mindset change. I am walking in freedom. I am going to live freely. Why? Because what God has called us to, we have to fight this fight in our mind and make it clear that I'm going to change the way that I think. I'm not alone. It's a mindset shift. I am a vital part of God's enemy. Don't let the enemy get you sifted off by yourself and think that nobody cares, that nobody's with you. No, no, no. I'm a vital part of God's family. 
How about this mindset shift? I'm not looking at people as my problem because listen, your, your, your boss is not your problem. That person over there is not your problem. Your in-laws are not your problem. No, 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 people are my purpose. It's a mindset shift. You have to change it. They're not my problem. They're actually my purpose. How about this one? I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up as easy as it would be to give up. I'm not going to do it. And here's my mindset. I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. And if you need freedom from your mind today because you have let these thoughts run rampant in your mind, like here's what we need. We need to grab those thoughts and take them captive and make them obedience to Jesus Christ. Back in the day when people were training circus elephants, and for those of you under the age of 30, back in the day there used to be these things that would come into town called circuses, where they would come in with tents and animals and trapezes and clowns, and they'd put on a show. But when they were training circus elephants, which is one of the strongest animals on the entire planet, in fact, if you were to go to Africa and go on a safari, they would tell you it's actually the most dangerous animal in the jungle because it's so powerful and it's so strong it can knock down 100 year old oak trees like no problem just like run it right over so when they'd go to the circus they would take a baby elephant and they would tie a string around its leg give it some length and then tie that around a stake and drive it into the ground. In fact, we have a picture of what it would kind of look like here. This is a full-grown elephant, but they would take a, just, just a, a string and they would tie it to this thing. And as a baby, the elephant was not very strong. And so it would pull on that string and it would, it, it would pull and it would pull and it would pull and it would start to realize that it could not go anywhere. That it was stuck in that position. Now, as the elephant grew and became larger, the stake never changed because the elephant didn't have a strength problem. The elephant actually had a thought problem. So the elephant would grow bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger, but yet the stake would never change. Why? Because the battle was always in the elephant's mind. The elephant thought that the thing that held it back would always hold it back in the future. And can I just encourage some people around South Florida and that are watching online right now, you are stronger than you were a year ago. You're stronger than you were five years ago. And the spirit that is transforming you is transforming your body and is transforming your soul. And if you allow it to, you can walk in victory today. And for some of us, it's time for us to get up and make a decision that we're not going to let the stakes of our past continue to hold us back from the future that God has for us. We're not going to allow the addiction of the past continue to hold us in bondage. We're not going to let the strongholds that are in our life hold us back any longer. We're going to take captive that area of our life. And we're going to begin to make it obedient to Christ because we walk in victory because we have the mind of Christ. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? For some of you, your identity has been attacked and 
You've been called all your failures and all of your issues and all of your mistakes. And, and right now, we're going to establish your identity of, in Christ. And some of you, others have been acting in the wrong ways because of your thinking. And listen, we can't do this in our own strength or in our own power. But we are going to let the Spirit of God who saved our spirit now begin to transform your mind. And so while you're sitting there at your seat with your head bowed and your eyes closed or you're sitting there online watching this, I just want you to take your hands and I want you to put them on your head right now. Just put them on your head as an act of surrender. And, and God, right now we take authority over every thought that has been running through the minds of people here at Coastal. God, people who have thought that they are insufficient, that their best days are behind them, that they will always deal with that anxiety, that they'll always deal with that worry, that they will never have healthy relationships, that they'll never succeed. I rebuke those thoughts in the name of Jesus. We take them captive right now and we make them obedient to Jesus. We we thank you, God, and we speak your identity. They are children of God. They are forgiven. They are whole. They are righteous. They are transformed and being transformed. They are healed. We will not walk in the patterns of this world any longer, but we will be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And we set our minds and our thoughts and our wills and our way on you, God. We surrender it all. We thank you for victory right here in this place called our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions continue to transfer down to the depths of our body right now in Jesus name and maybe you're in here today and you've, you've never maybe you're hearing us surrender our soul and our body but you've never surrendered your spirit when I talked about surrendering your will and your way to a God that loves you so much that when he saw you in the middle of your mess he said you know what I've got a solution to that mess it's my son Jesus Christ and I'll send him to this earth to live the life that we could never attain and to die the death that we all deserve so that we can experience life and victory. And maybe today you need to surrender. The Bible says that if we confess with our lips and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that we will be saved. And maybe today is the day that you need to make that declaration with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you in here today or you're watching online right now, on the count of three, if you just slip your hand up, I'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer that will change and transform everything about the spirit inside of you right now. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Let me see them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Thank you. So many people. Anybody else? You guys can put your hands down. If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I prayed out loud, say, God, I surrender right now my will. I surrender my way. Thank you for giving your one and only son. For you so loved me that you gave your one and only son that if I would believe on him, that my life would be changed and transformed. God, today I ask you to forgive me of my past. Come into my heart. Take over my life. I surrender my will and I surrender my way. You are not only my Savior, but today I call you my Lord. Lead God and direct me all the days of my life. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness. God, take over. Renew my mind. Transform my body. Fill my spirit here today. We love you in this place. We thank you for the transforming work that your son did for me on the cross. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.